everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. I hope you enjoyed the summer movie special kickoff last week with Avengers Age of Ultron. What a good movie. I've talked about that movie with a lot of people so far this week. Uh, you know, pretty much the same reaction that the cast of the round table last week had on the film. Uh, but, you know, still enjoyable. Still good. Uh, before we jump into more sort of movies, there's kind of a lull this week. So we're back to just talking about different topics. And I brought a topic to uh, Stephen Matthew Norigo this week that I had been thinking about for about a week. Um, we hadn't had a chance to talk about it because we were doing the Avengers podcast. So I brought it up this week. We have a nice, good conversation about it. I think it's really good. It's all about uh, humor and being offensive and what is offensive and when do we draw the line of of coming down on people that are being offensive towards a group of people all centered around the Adam Sandler set debacle of the ridiculous six that happened about two weeks ago and also this is where my thoughts got interesting comparing that to the reactions of the cartoons just the cartoons not the tragedy of Charlie Hebdo but just the cartoons and how people reacted and uh shouted from the streets and the internet and made it clear that we need to protect their right to do their cartoons as they do and i agree but uh, you know we get into the podcast i don't need to spill it out all here uh but i just wanted to get their ideas on when do we draw the law draw the line on offensive comedy uh in this day and age so i hope you guys enjoy it uh, this is a certainly a topic i want more people's feedback on we certainly don't scratch the surface and solve this one in the 40 minutes that the four of us talk about it so we're gonna need your input and we'll talk about that at the end of the show uh but here's our discussion now about adam sandler and charlie hebdo hey guys so it's summer movie season so we've kind of kicked off that thing that we're doing looking at a lot of the new releases (laughs) that coming out this summer uh, there's no big release this week because everyone ran off afraid of Avengers Age of Ultron. So I figured we'll have, you know, one of those nice conversations before we jump into Mad Max. I Mad Max Fury week. Road. I cannot wait for that. <laughs> so wait, one it's of the... Fury and not Furry? I thought it was Furry Road. No, well, that, that's, that's, the, that's uh, coming. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's coming up at Dragon Con uh, 2015. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so one of the things, the thing the I want to talk about, review reboot <laughs> is what it is. the thing I want to talk about this week is something I've been thinking about, you know, in my spare me thinking time. <laughs> oh, and very it, dangerous <laughs> time. Well, I was just going to say when I'm in the shower thinking about things, but I mean, we got to that point now, but I thought I wouldn't just jump off right there. Okay. Um, was so it was about. Uh, almost two, two and a half weeks ago at this point, mm-hmm. uh, Adam Sandler's been, he's gotten this new contract with Netflix to produce the six movies, and he's currently shooting the first one of his, called The Ridiculous Six. And it kind oh, of made yeah. uh, waves uh, recently, not for good reasons, in that there was 12 actors, uh, they're Native American, walked off the set because they were so upset about how they and their culture were being portrayed that they jump ship. Like they talk to producers right. and like, uh, they're pretty much like if you're offended or you don't like what you're doing, you can leave. So they did mm-hmm. now. Um, 
what I want, this is what I've been thinking about, and there's this tension in my head that I've been feeling since I've talked to a few people about this. Because initially, uh, when I heard about this thing from Adam Sandler, I was, and still am, upset because we talked about this when we looked about a lot of the Western films right. in this show, mm-hmm. that yeah. uh, Native Americans in real life got uh, the crap, the crap end of a long stick uh, due to American government. And then the way they've been trained through Hollywood has rarely been positive. They generally get pushed into the background and have people do red face um, they, I mean, they're not, they're portrayed as savages all the time. No one ever looks really that good on their culture in yeah. big Hollywood films. So yeah. it seems like this cycle is continuing and continuing and continuing. Oh, which is horrible. Uh, but then I started thinking, uh, I don't remember who I talked to who was upset about, um, how people were freaking out about this and that we can't make fun of anyone Anymore that people will get upset. And I talk like, well, it's not good to, you know, belittle a people. Sure, culturally insensitive. Yeah, being culturally insensitive. And so it kind of made me think of the, the uh, Charlie Hedbo thing. Ooh. And I only thought of that in, n- not in the, tr- in the tragedy that took place, but in the media and public's reaction to their work of saying we needed to keep this, it's good, satire is good, uh, free speech, and kind of lauded the organization, even though in some roundabout way, at least in my mind, and feel free to correct me if I'm off base here, they are belittling a culture as well. And that's where I'm at right now, is like, where do we draw this line of when is it okay to belittle someone when's it not is it all bad is it all good that's where I'm at right now I really wanted you guys to talk this through with me and see where you're at well you've, you wanna- you've kind of hit on one of the keys of all comedy in that historically a lot of comedy is cruel uh, a lot of comedy is aimed specifically at ethnic minorities. Uh, I grew up with a lot of Polish jokes when I was a kid. That's problematic for me, uh, for reasons for people who actually know my, my heritage will probably understand why that was problematic for me. But when you look at just the, the axis of what's funny, Patton Oswalt says that jokes should be obnoxious, funny, true, and mean. And there is a spine of, of meanness in a lot of the most effective humor and effective satire. And I mean, certainly not to defend anybody's decision, because I think that you get to a point where each person has every right to be offended. Mm -hmm. But we also get to a point where, especially when it comes to comedy, and especially comedy that intentionally challenges and antagonizes, where people expect that they have a right to not or to never be offended in a public space. And it's a really hard balance because my favorite comedian, George Carlin, was offensive. He was put in jail for the use of offensive language and for saying words that people did not believe should have been there. Some of the, you know, the most effective, my favorite comedians have been called offensive because of the things that they say 
and the targets that they may have chosen. So, I mean, it, it, it really is. It's, it's one of the big problems of comedy is what is funny and what is mean is mean funny and why is mean funny. Well, but that gets down to what is comedy, right? And comedy is very, very subjective. We've talked before oh, that, I, that I think uh, dick and fart jokes are funny. That's yeah, me. me Some people don't find that funny at all and find that very offensive. Um, mm-hmm. But I also find very highbrow comedy uh, in line. And if comedy has done well, I mean, if you look at, you know, even the 1970s with Mel Brooks doing um, uh, Blazing Saddles, mm-hmm. there's nothing but offensive stereotypes throughout that movie. But it's done so well that a lot of people just kind of forgave that. But there's also, you know, this other saying, uh, there's no accounting for, for taste, Right. Right. So in the case of what's going on with um, Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler has his crowd of people mm-hmm. and he is playing towards his audience, mm-hmm. right? So his audience may be the people that find that kind of uh, humor funny mm-hmm. and that's what they want to he- see and they maybe are not uh, culturally aware or culturally sensitive um, and it doesn't bother them in the least. And for Adam Sandler, if he's playing to his audience, you know, that's him. Is it right? Probably not. Um, but I think the bigger thing is that the actors that walked off the set mm-hmm. did it because it's like, well, they're not boycotting the movie. They're just saying we find this movie offensive and we're out of here because we don't want to partake in that. Right. They're, and I they're think disrespecting that's, the culture. Yeah. And I think that that is the bigger thing to do because, hey, everything's going to get made if somebody wants it made, regardless of sensitivity humor, horror, whatever. Uh, but then it's up to those people who are participating in it to either say, we want to put an end to this by leaving or we're going to placate and we're in it for the for the box. Mm-hmm. And I think right. that's kind of the bigger story there. And I would really encourage you, Zach, because I'm going to bet you have not seen this movie, but I would encourage you to see it. It's uh, Robert Townsend's Hollywood Shuffle. That's a good one. It is a very good movie. It came out in 1987. It's about a middle-class black guy who wants to be an actor and the problem is he keeps running into black stereotypes again and again and again and again. And he wants to he wants to arise above that, but he keeps being offered these jobs of, you know, play the criminal, play the drug dealer, play the whatever. And it comes to a part where he's finally offered a big role and he has to make this decision. Do I take this job? So I can be an actor and get recognized and work with these people, or do I stand up for my culture and say this is not this is not right? Mm-hmm. It's super funny. It's a super funny movie, but it also has this underlying theme that I think you, that you're you're kind of struggling with. Mm-hmm. In you know, do we go ahead and put in these racial stereotypes and continue uh, making fun of them, or do we try to change? And I and. I don't know. You've seen the Hollywood Shuffle, Matthew. I thought it was very funny whenever I saw it as a kid, but it also brought up this thing of enough is enough on this kind of thing. It is funny, but it's an example of a very good thing to keep in mind when it comes to specifically this type of humor in these situations is Hollywood Shuffle is an example of what people refer to as punching up. Robert Townsend, as a young African-American actor, was making a story and part of a story about how that Hollywood cultural thing was portraying him. He was taking mm-hmm. shots at Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I think that when they say don't punch down, Adam Sandler as a multi-million dollar filmmaker who 
can be seen as, in some ways, a tastemaker, a trendsetter. I mean, some of the films that he has made have made tons and tons of money, is taking shots at a culture that has been maligned and has been, you know, sidelined and is a, a marginalized culture. And I don't think that the expectation of making fun and some of the jokes were really sophomoric, even by my mm-hmm. standards. Oh, yeah, yeah they yeah, were. Yeah. So, so the, there were jokes about traditional naming conventions and there were jokes about, you know, prostitutes. And these are things that, yeah, I'm sure that they are funny in the right context to the right people. I looked at that and I'm like, that's that's really insensitive, especially when you're making these jokes and you've brought in people specifically to try and give you feedback on this marginalized culture. Adam Sandler was clearly punching down when he was making cheap Native American jokes, yeah. when he was making you know the stories and the jokes. And I think that they're leaving and making it public why they left in the way that they did it. I think that that's perfectly legitimate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where do you land on all of this, Rodrigo? Um, I, I mean, I, I agree with Matthew that that's basically that issue, right? It's the fact that you have a member, basically you have a white man with a lot of money making fun of marginalized people. Um, so when you look at where is that line between, you know, why does everybody rally around Charlie Hebdo and not around Adam Sandler? Um, you have to look at what are they saying or how are their messages being interpreted, right? So what is uh, Charlie Hebdo saying with with all of the uh, Islamic criticism? Uh, They are criticizing, generally speaking, I mean, I haven't seen every cartoon that they've ever run, but they're generally criticizing Islam as like a problematic um, influence, basically. Um, And they figure, you know, Islam is present in Europe and obviously and they figure if they're going to take shots at Christianity they should take shots at, at Islam as well and blah, blah, blah. so that can be seen certainly as noble certainly Islam doesn't have that voice in Europe that they do in um, the Middle East but um, you know it, it's, it's, it can be seen as fair to criticize a major world religion mm-hmm for having problematic aspects or the louder, more problematic cults or, or sectors of a world religion, that can be done. But what is Adam Sandler saying? Adam Sandler is saying Indians have funny names. Right. Like that's, that's what he's saying. You know, it's like what is the point of his jokes? You know, and, and I was thinking about this and to say that, um, to even say that his jokes were insensitive to Native Americans is already given him too much credit. Like he, this is something that he it's, didn't even consider. Well, it's something I mean, it's that he so, didn't even think about. It's so sophomore. I mean, it's so not even sophomoric. It's just dumb puns. Well, and that's and that's what I'm saying. This is something that he didn't even think about. He didn't say, "Oh, this might be offensive to someone, but I don't care." It didn't enter his mind. Yeah. At no point. At no point that he even consider that where these names come from or who these people are or anything like that. It's great to read these articles that have come out where they've interviewed these guys because uh, the people that walked off, and I don't have this stuff in front of me, but they are from one tribe 
And the right. characters they were portraying were from a different tribe. Yes. And they were still offended. Like, they were like, you know, they'd look at feathers here or there. Or they'd look at teepees and stuff and be like, well, we're... It's like, I think they're supposed to be portraying Apaches. Right. They're from a different tribe. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that's not what Apaches are like. You know, that's like, this is wrong. This is incorrect. They had a cultural liaison and the cultural liaison walked out too. <laughs> you know? And I think that, I think that's part of it is when you look at these particular jokes, it's not necessarily a question of, were they funny or were they offensive? It's a question really of when you get right down to it, what's the humor saying? When you are someone who is engaging in satire, generally there should be some sort of underlying point, some enlightenment that you're trying to provide. And if you're just poking and laughing, it's the equivalent of when earlier years ago, when I was on the internet, we were involved in an online wrestling federation where each person would basically LARP their wrestling character. And they got into a cycle where there were 10 writers and eight of them were making the classic, and I say classic in the ex- expectation of old rather than good, dead baby jokes. Now, these, are, these were offensive to me when I was 15. Eight writers thought they were cool. Two writers thought they weren't. It is important to note that those two writers were myself and another gentleman, both of whom had children. None of the other people did. So when we said, hey, these jokes are in bad taste, guys, the response was, no, they're not. We think they're friggin' hilarious. There was no attempt to try and, you know, even work it out. It was an eight people said yes, and you two guys are schmucks for even bringing it up. The reason why we were offended might have had a lot to do with the fact that both of us had babies in the house. Mm-hmm. So it, it when goes back you, to that to that subjective point. Exactly. Well, it's it's the not humor just that. Is not just, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Well, so no, so when the the thing is, when you make a joke, you don't have to be saying something. I feel, but. The thing is, you are saying something. Mm -hmm. That's the important Mm -hmm. thing to keep in mind is when you make a joke, like humor is incredibly powerful. It's so powerful that the moment that Jon Stewart said, "Ah, I'm quitting The Daily Show, everybody flipped out because he is like this satire engine that has really shaped a lot of things that are going on right now, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and things like that. So when you make a joke, you are saying something. So when Adam Sandler makes fun of Native American names, even though he didn't consider that it might offend someone or what it means or what it is, um, he is saying something. That joke is going to be taken by someone as something that is an attack on them or something that perpetuates some kind of problem. This is the same thing with the dead baby jokes is those guys were just saying them because they never considered that it might offend somebody else. But the moment it gets received... That's a message that got sent out, even if that wasn't the original intent. Mm-hmm. Right. Has, has Adam and Sandler has Adam Sandler said anything in re- reaction don't. to this? I I saw a Netflix uh, statement that said they supported Sandler, but I haven't seen anything from Sandler. But I will say that the John Stewart example brings up something important too. Um, when John Stewart announced he was gone, and then they said, "Here's our new host, Trevor Noah." Mm-hmm. 
Trevor Noah, a few years ago, made a joke that took a shot at fat girls. And that is, that's where you get a point, because right now, and I say this as a very fat man, making fun of fat people offends me on a level that, eh, I can live with it. It doesn't break my heart, but it kind of ticks me off. But it's considered by most people to be a perfectly acceptable target. And if we had this same situation, if Adam Sandler had people walking off the film because they were making fun of fat girls, what would be the response from the media? So, I mean, again, it's a question of when you look at your target, when you look at what you're saying and how you're saying it, first of all, I do not believe, A, that that particular joke aimed at that particular target, whether it's culturally acceptable or not, would change my expectation that it's still a crap thing to do, but it might change certain people's expectations of whether or not it's a big enough problem to report on, for whether it's a big enough problem to say to Adam Sandler, this is problematic. So, mm. so I guess... Sadly, I don't think he's going to change. No, I oh, don't. No. So Adam Sandler's in his 50s, and he, he has billions of dollars. He doesn't need to change. So what well, do we do well. with humor because it seems like a lot of we talked about so far has been this baseline of humor is for the most part going to be offensive to someone do we just accept that and roll with it and at least acknowledge that it is offensive to someone and keep going I guess that's well, the, there's, uh, there's, you know, billions of people on the planet. Humor, a joke is going to be offensive to someone. That's that's what I'm, yeah, like a hundred percent true statement. So right? how do we, or how do we respond when this humor, I mean, is offensive? Do we? I don't know. It's just something I've been struggling with because I enjoy humor yeah. and humor uh, can be offensive and still be incredibly funny. But I've, I mean, I've like to think I've matured a little bit in the last year and I'm more sensitive to try or at least trying to be more sensitive to people that are trying to understand where people come from when they are offended to certain things right. and so right. where I mean like it's, humor is such a interesting and thing I enjoy like we're I don't know it's complicated for me there so, is oh, go ahead. In, okay there in some ways there is an expectation that really strong humor, really meaningful humor, does have a target. Uh, if you look at the example, a very successful example of Saturday Night Live and their parodying of the 2008 presidential campaign, specifically Sarah Palin. Mm -hmm. Sarah Palin, in retrospect, is now better known for the jokes made about her than anything she actually did or said. And the question then becomes, you know, that joke was aimed directly at her. Whether you stand with her or against her politically speaking in terms of what you believe and don't believe, you have to accept that those jokes were targeted specifically to say, this person is silly and or stupid, and we're going to, you know, we're going to poke fun at that. Mm -hmm. But is it necessarily in a good way? If, if you agree with her politically, you may feel really, really upset and offended. I think it's possible to think that it's funny to make the, you know, the Sarah Palin jokes that they made because some of them were pretty funny. But 
it's it's difficult because you do have an expectation, especially in modern culture, that anything, as Stephen said, can be problematic to someone. Anything can mm-hmm. offend someone. And that is absolutely 100% their right to be offended. If I said something on this program that offended you, first of all, I apologize. It was probably unintentional. But secondly, when it really comes down to it, the question is, what do you do with that? If someone comes to you and says, if you're a Pat Oswalt or if you're a Joss Whedon and someone comes to you and says, this thing you made upsets me for X reason, that person is giving you valid feedback based on whatever expectation, whatever art you gave them, whatever statement you made, this is the feedback you get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How you respond to that can really define whether or not I feel like that humor is mean-spirited. Sure. Um, Rodrigo, what were you going to go into? Uh, the problem with the even that statement that um, – every joke is going to be offensive to someone is that it doesn't look at humor as it fits into broader societal issues. That's kind of like saying, I don't know, like peanuts will kill you. Right. Or something like that. And it's like, there are some people out there that are allergic to peanuts. Mm -hmm. Um, and this idea that, um, well, like basically saying like, well, everything's going to be offensive to someone, so why worry about it? It's kind of like saying, oh, that guy ate a peanut and he puffed up and almost died or died. Um, what's his problem? It's like everything, everyone's going to be allergic to something, you know? And it's like it's not looking at the fact that that person is genetically predisposed to be basically poisoned by peanuts. And that's what ends up happening is... When you say, well, humor is subjective. Something's going to be offensive to someone no matter what. That is something that is true, but only – but the moment that you use it as a blanket statement to excuse humor that propagates – you know, stereotypes of marginalized Mm -hmm. people, that promotes rape culture, that – you know, does like basically just carves out the walls of this, the negative path of least resistance aspects of our current culture. Um, that's all you're doing is you're just defending and allowing that, that mm-hmm. in and of itself becomes this, um, it, it becomes part of it, right? That statement, humor is subjective. So why worry about it becomes another part of that thing that continues to make it so that, you know, people of color have a hard time making it in Hollywood, you know, 40 years after that movie. Right. How long ago was that keep, movie keep made? In 50 years? I, keep in mind that I didn't say that uh, humor is subjective, so why worry about it? I said humor is subjective, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I think he was referring to something I said. Okay. Um, so, Stephen, something that Matthew said earlier about the punching up. Mm-hmm. Is that the best way that we can be doing humor? Is that the most effective form instead of taking a cheap shot and going down? Well, I don't, th- I think, I don't know. I don't, uh, I think cheap shots are, are cheap. That's why they're called cheap shots, right? Yeah. Um, I don't appreciate them. I don't think that it's, you know, I'll take a cheap shot at Matthew every once in a while, but that's because Matthew and I have a understanding have between a each other. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, 
cheap shots just to take cheap shots at, at somebody or a group of people just seems like really bad. I mean, it just seems like a bad idea. I mean, it takes no work. No, it, it. It, that's right. It takes no work to just go, well, look at that blankety blank person over there and try to get a laugh among your right. friends at the bar is mm-hmm. just, you know, it's humorless, even though right. people may laugh. And then there's a lot of people and that's where you get the, the stereotypical uh, jokes like the Polish jokes, like the, the uh, jokes uh, regarding uh, black people or really any other race. I mean, it's just, just cheap yeah. to make yourself Any feel, to make yourself feel better is mm-hmm, why mm-hmm. A, a lot of t- cheap jokes are done. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that that's necessarily, you know, right. And right. It's, so going it's a, after the, the higher ideas, the people in higher positions, political figures, ideas of government and stuff like that. Is that the, I mean, is that the best avenue for humor? Cause there's a, might be this, I mean, this point to it all um i don't know i don't know if it's like well don't uh you know don't say jokes about these class of people but it's okay to say jokes about this political party that's the I don't thing think I'm, that that's, i'm struggling with is like if is you're, that the if best you're, way to do if it you're, you're still if you are telling targeting a joke, someone if you are telling a joke to make yourself feel better it's wrong right see you get into really difficult areas because there's a notorious uh, Monty Python sketch from the late 60s that is all about cannibalism. And it's a man who comes in and he says, my mother has passed away. And the guy convinces him that we're going to eat your mother. And when it was put forth, the BBC said, are you sure you can do this? And they said, no, 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 it's good because it's going to end with the audience revolting and coming up and chasing them out of the sketch, which is what happens in the actual thing. And that's actually the breakdown. So when you when you look at that whole sketch, when it's all broken down altogether, it works because of the delivery and the thought they put into what is the response going to be once we've made these awful jokes? And how can we use that response to make the joke itself funnier, but also less likely to make people angry because we've dealt with the fact that it created this response? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, I like dick and fart jokes. I think they're funny. I think absurdist humor is funny. Those aren't attacking groups of people or making fun of groups of people. Right. There's this whole unless you have a problem with whole other thing of humor where it doesn't have to be targeted at anyone. I think one mm-hmm. of one of the one of my favorite I haven't taken a lot of Monty Python, but one of my favorite things and one of the first things I was exposed to with Monty Python was their uh like little skit on the F word and like mm-hmm. breaking it down into its many uses. It's hilarious and I love it so much. And that's not really taking a shot at anyone. It's just a humorous musing on a word. Right, right, right. Right. I don't know. I don't know if we helped you at all, Zach. I mean, I, it, we've, it, we've brought you in are, some, some you are of on some, Yeah, you're on some really heavy stuff here because this is kind of the basis of comedy and specifically the crux of how to present comedy in a world where more people have voices. Mm-hmm. Where those marginalized people who might be offended, who would have never heard you tell that terrible joke mm-hmm. to your friends at the lodge meeting, will see it on your Twitter, will see it on your social media, and you will be held to task for the things that you've said. It's important to remember that 
as I've grown, I've heard a lot of ethnic jokes aimed at different ethnic, sociological, and economic groups. This is the important bit to remember, Zach, and I want you to write this down. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. It's always the same jokes. Yeah. The jokes that they told when I was a kid about the Polish people, the jokes that they told about other ethnic groups, the jokes that they told about dumb people and lawyers and whomever they wanted to make fun of, it's the same joke. So, Stephen, what's better than a busload of blank at the bottom of the ocean? Uh, I don't know. What? Two busloads of blank at the bottom of the ocean. Mm. Now you take blank and you make it whatever target you want to make fun of, yeah, yeah, whether yeah. that be left-handed socialists or Eskimos. I don't oh, know. Yeah. It's the don't same, make it's fun the of Eskimos. Thing. It's the same thing about, you know, yeah, just take any, any joke, put in the blank, mm-hmm. and you'll see whether it's potentially offensive or mm-hmm. But that's, that's, that's the other thing to keep yeah. in mind is when they're telling these jokes, the humor is very, very old. The humor itself may no longer have a place so if you say to yourself, am, am I going to tell this stupid joke and run the risk of offending people, and you choose, yes, I'm going to say this and run the risk of offending people, then you are also responsible, and Adam Sandler is responsible, but I don't for the feedback and the blowback that comes for the decision to make those jokes. But it sounds like he doesn't care, and that's, that's the more problematic thing. Well, right? and that's, but, but that's the thing, is he is in a position to not care. But, and that's, but don't and you that's think, why, but that, that's that why goes, we still have those jokes. But that mm-hmm. goes into, you know, I would say, you know, 10 years ago, I'm not the person I am today because I learn and I grow and I try to change and try to be better. And I would think part of the human experience is to learn about yourself and learn about others and interacting with others and try to be better than you were the day before. And if someone does sits there and goes, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that making these jokes were offensive to your tribe, your nation, your people, your culture, your society, whatever. I'm sorry. I'm, I truly am sorry about that. I'm going to try to be better about that in the future. Mm-hmm. That goes a long way more than just like, ah, those people over there. Ah, so sensitive. What a bunch of sensitive crybabies. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, or not even saying anything in this case. Uh, you know, I think you're right, Rodrigo, it does say a lot. And that, that's the thing, though. The, your, your, all of our perception of what going to an Adam Sandler film means and what we're supporting when we go to an Adam Sandler film or to a film written by whomever wrote this film is now going to be affected by how this situation played out. And that joke, maybe it won't mean that this next movie is a huge flop, but it will affect the way people think of an Adam Sandler joint, and rightfully so. It's something to where whatever we think of Adam Sandler is now going to take into account this admittedly, and I will say flat out, tone-deaf response this tone deaf joke and setup for a punchline that probably wasn't necessarily worth the effort so if there is a lot of blowback from this it's earned from the material they put out there so you know you get to that crux of comedy does it have to be cruel to be funny some would say yes I personally say no, but I also it should be noted I'm not a professional comedian and people tell me I'm not funny all the freaking time the, the the issue with cruelty though is that 
this was only cruel in the sense that, you know, I don't know, like stepping on your cat's tail in the dark is cruel. Like, if you don't know that the cat's there, mm. then you have hurt your cat without even thinking about it, right? Like, right. and that's what's happening here. Like, to say that there was cruelty there would involve it implying at all that Adam Sandler cared about the culture or, or these people at all in any way. Like it, it, he didn't even think about it. He didn't even fathom that this could blow back in his face. You know, at no point was there any consideration. And that's the problem is that sometimes there will be these outbursts on the internet and people are like, why is this happening? It's like, because literally nobody knew and by nobody, I mean nobody with any power knew that this group of people was out there or that they had a voice or that they were organized or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, these groups of people, in, in any case, you know, economical, racial, cultural, whatever, they're out there. And a lot of the time, any given person doesn't know about them. Um, but you know, it is important to kind of keep an eye out and say, well, I didn't realize that this was a problem. We'll change it. Or I didn't realize this was a problem. Let's learn more so we can find something in the middle. That's not offensive for everybody. Right. You know, one of the things, and this goes back to, and I forgot to bring it up during, uh, the Zach on film discussion about age of Ultron, but when it happened in the movie for a minute, I was like, whoa, that's not funny at all. And then of course all this other stuff happened and it slipped my mind. But, uh, the prima nocta joke oh, at, yeah. at Tony Stark. And that's kind of blown up this week too. Yeah. Uh, where he's like, Hey, when I lift this hammer and I'm the ruler of the land, I'm going to reinstate prima nocta. And I was like, Oh, that's not funny. And yeah. said a lot oh. about the character. And then that's that? kind of blown up in Josh Whedon's face. It's basically where royalty has the first right of, um, having sex with a virgin before her wedding night. Oh, uh, essentially that's what that means. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and they the king it's a, it's can basically show. have sex with someone on their wedding night. Yeah. That's in Braveheart. Right. Because yes. you're the ruler. Yeah, exactly. It's and a it was, big it's plot actually, point it in Braveheart. Actually, it was actually a practice done by mm-hmm. royalty, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's a big deal. And it's and I didn't find it funny. Uh, and apparently now a lot of other people uh, have spoken out about it. And it's also kind of blown up, too. I, you know, I, I don't know why that suddenly appeared in there. It seems very insensitive, both from Tony Stark saying it. Uh, but also from uh, the writer writing it mm-hmm. to put it in there. But it know. does it does illuminate Tony Stark's character. It mm, yes, I suppose yes. Not necessarily in a good way. No, but because it, it, it because when to be honest, when I heard that line in the movie, I was like, "Ooh, that doesn't seem like something Tony Stark would say or should say." I don't think I like this character as much as I did. <laughs> Five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. This Tony Stark just said something douchey. You're beyond douchey, yeah. And I hope you all enjoyed that conversation. I really did. I enjoy conversations like that, especially when they're ones that I had been thinking about for a long time and really just needed some more input besides the different voices inside of my own But I also want to hear your opinions about this topic. It's such an interesting one and a deep one. Uh, So hit me up at uh, on Twitter at at zwolf wolf with two o's. You can send me an email for those longer thoughts than 140 characters at zach at majorspoilers.com. That is an email. 
And then you could also give your thoughts on the podcast posting page at majorspoilers.com. Next week, I don't know what we're exactly doing. Mad Max Fury Road will release at 7 o'clock in our local theater here because it is a Friday release date. Uh, but at the early time, the only time it's playing on Thursday is at 7, and I'm about 95% sure I'm still going to be doing a bi-weekly Thursday night work thing that I have to do for my job that employs me 40 hours a week. Uh, so I don't know what we're going to do yet. We might somehow work out a Mad Max thing releasing on Friday. I'm not sure how I'll pull that off, uh, but I'll keep everyone updated if not we'll be back next week with another topic and then we'll and then it's pretty much just movies straight on through for the rest of the summer hope you guys are enjoying those reviews uh hopefully we can space them out where we can get some caller feedback you can also i mean you could always uh give your feedback and then we talk about the week before and i could read it on the show the following week that would also work you know pretty fine as well in my opinion uh so that's it We will see you next week on Zach on Film. Podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment LLC. Hey Houston, Khan's prices are invincible. That means prices have been cut low, as in amazingly low, as in won't be beat. In fact, we're backing it up with our low price guarantee. Invincible prices on appliances, furniture, electronics, mattresses, and more. Not invincible enough for you? How about free next day delivery on appliances, TVs, and mattresses? And payment options for everyone, whether you have good credit or building it. Visit cons today and find out what invincible feels like.